Remember the good old days before Microsoft Word had autosave? You'd type up some important document and then your computer would freeze and you'd lose hours of work just because you forgot to hit save? Well, that's what it's like going online without ExpressVPN. Every time you're connected to an unencrypted network, whether it's in an airport, a hotel, a cafe, or anywhere, your online data is not secure. Any person on that same network who knows what they're doing can gain access to your personal data. Bank logins, credit card details, passwords, all the stuff you don't want people seeing. Unfortunately, hacking has become much easier than it used to be. People don't even have to be exceptionally skilled to do it, and there's a lot of money to be made by selling your information on the dark web. ExpressVPN stops hackers from stealing your data by creating a secure, encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet. It's incredibly easy to use. Once the app is running, you literally click one button to get protected. And it works on your phone, laptop, tablet, and more, so you can stay protected on the go. I've been using ExpressVPN for a little while now, and I can rest easy knowing my info is safe and secure. I've heard horror stories of people who've been hacked, and it sounds like a massive pain to try to get any resolution in the aftermath, so I am not interested in finding out what that process is like. Secure your online data today by visiting expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash slashfilm, and you can get an extra three months free. expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. This year has gone by incredibly quickly, but it's always nice to pause and take stock. What's something you're proud of in 2024 so far? What's something you still want to accomplish this year? I know I'm guilty of falling into a routine and not always thinking about the bigger picture, but as the great Ferris Bueller once said, life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop and look around once in a while, you can miss it. So it's crucial to take a moment to celebrate your wins and make adjustments for the rest of the year. Therapy can help you contextualize your progress and set achievable goals for the next six months. As you surely know by now, it's not only for people who have experienced major trauma. Therapy is helpful in all kinds of ways, including learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. If you've been considering trying therapy, check out BetterHelp. It's fully online and was specifically designed to be flexible and customizable to your schedule. To get started, just fill out a brief questionnaire that matches you up with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Take a moment. Visit BetterHelp.com FilmDaily today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash film daily. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for November 3rd, 2017. On today's show, there isn't much to talk about. We'll talk about some news, including the likelihood of a Goonies sequel in the spoiler room. We'll be discussing some Stranger Things theories and some discussion of... Uh, the after credit scenes for Thor Ragnarok. Um, we will give you proper uh, notice of spoilers in case you haven't seen either of those. Uh, this is Peter Soda, and joining me on today's show are Slash Film senior writer Ben Pearson. Hey, what's up? And Slash Film managing editor Jacob Hall. Hello, hello. How's it going, guys? It's a slow day. Oh, yeah, very God, slow. it's a slow day. We're, we're picking bottom of the barrel <laughs> Right now, it feels like. Yesterday on the podcast, Ben wasn't here, but we did a uh, our five favorite TV shows of the last five years, and we got a lot of email. Why no Game of Thrones? Uh, I can tell you why it wasn't on my list. It wasn't on my list because it's not one of my favorite shows. I stopped watching it. I am, I am, I am the uh, the lone freak in uh, the slash film writers room who uh, does not love Game of Thrones. But I guess, Jacob, you were on the podcast, and Game of Thrones was not on your list, even though you do the recaps for the site, you you, you love the show. Why why was Game of Thrones not on 
your list? I have a really good reason, actually, and maybe it's something I should have made clear when we did the episode, which is I took the five-year cutoff pretty seriously, and I tried to pick shows that actually started within the past five years. I know you guys kind of give yourself a little more leeway, but I, just, I they said 2012 or earlier is when I decided to pick my favorite shows of the past five years. And Game of Thrones started in 2011. Simple as that. If it was 2012, <laughs> I would have picked it. It's really that simple. Game of Thrones is one of my favorite shows of all time. It's great. It's wonderful. I'm actually really happy people responded uh, and and came to the defense of the most popular show in the world. <laughs> uh, <laughs> who who could have predicted I, that? <laughs> I, I kid because I love. Um, but it's a great show. I, I just was a, a bit more strict in my rules. And I feel like I'd... I think I felt like it was an opportunity to talk about The Good Place and Hannibal and shows that... I don't think get as much love as Game of Thrones. It all worked out in the end. Yeah, and if Ben was on, he probably would have put it on his list because he's a huge <laughs> Game of Thrones nut. Um, yes. Uh, actually, Ben, really quick. Other than Game of Thrones, what would have been your favorite TV shows of the last five years? Oh, God. Do, do you have um, any, Not to put you on the spot. But, yeah, it's uh, totally putting me on the spot. Um, <laughs> I, I would put the first season of Stranger Things in there because uh, I really love that season of television. Um, I, God, uh, I'm sort of flailing trying to remember when things, when exactly shows premiered and ended and all of that stuff. Was Terriers in the last five years? Because no if way. it was, I would definitely no. put that in there. It's probably a little older. Yeah, that's, that's older, I think. Um. I don't know. I don't know, Peter. I'll try to come up with a list, and I'll I'll come. I'll get back to you. My dates are all sort of uh, swimming around in my head right now, so uh, I will try to put that together just because it's a fun exercise, just for my own personal. Um, true Detective does that count? Yeah, yep, that, true that counts. There. Okay, um, and I haven't listened. I, I listened to the news portion of uh, of yesterday's episode while I was out for a run this morning, but I had to cut it off. Uh, at the part right where you guys started talking about your favorite shows. So I haven't even heard all of your selections yet. So I look forward to listening to that catching up later on today. But yeah, uh, yeah I'll, I'll get back to you. And by the way, I, I do want to add, there, there's one show that I didn't mention yesterday that I, I wish I had mentioned, and that's the Netflix TV show Narcos. I I absolutely love the first two seasons. I, for whatever reason, have watched only two episodes of that new third season, which has a different, uh, follows a different uh, drug cartel and I haven't really gotten into it. I think I, I think I gotta actually go back and rewatch those first two episodes because I think I was, you know, it was late at night and I was falling asleep, and that's probably not a, uh, y- you know, a, g- a good uh, thing for the show. Uh, but I, I absolutely love those first two seasons. I feel like if it was just base, if there wasn't a third season, that that show would have been on my list for sure. Um, but let's get into the, the the lone news item, and that is uh, Sean. O- Sean Astin is doing press for Stranger Things 2, and he was asked about the possibility of a Goonies sequel. Uh, is it going to happen, Ben? He says, and I quote, It's always possible. I will say that it's likely that it will happen. I don't know when, but I have always had confidence that the sequel will happen, mostly because Steven Spielberg, from the time when I was a kid, told me he wanted it to happen, and he has never changed his opinion. So that is the quote from Sean Astin about uh, the long-rumored sequel to The Goonies, which has been, you know, I, I think Richard Donner, the original, uh, the director of the original film, said in 2014 that they were developing a sequel officially. There's been tons of starts and stops on this project over the years and, you know, articles that are like, yes, it's happening, and then other people, you know, members of the cast being like, it's never going to happen. So, 
I but, think even Sean Astin himself a few years ago in like 2015 was like, it's a hundred percent going to happen. We wrote about that, <laughs> you know, his previous yeah. statement. So this is a, a, a long time coming, but um, I guess the question is, do you want to see a Goonies sequel after all these years? Peter, I think you're probably the lone fan of that movie on this particular <laughs> episode. Uh, what do you think? Um, you know, I love the Goonies. I uh, I do want to see its legacy continue. Uh, by the way, and it isn't for a lack of trying. I think uh, Shauna Aston says that, you know, they, they just haven't been able to find a story that makes it work in the way that it is worth doing. So it's it's not that, like, the cast doesn't want to do it. It's not that Steven Spielberg doesn't want to. I mean, he mentioned Steven Spielberg wants to do it. It's, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Donner wants to do it. Uh and I think that's the problem is like it would be so easy to create kind of like, you know, a bad Goonies sequel. I mean, we yeah. we experienced that in NES with Goonies 2, uh, whatever that was with the mermaid. Uh, it, it was horrible. Uh, anyways, uh, I uh, I don't know. I, I feel like if you had asked me this a few years ago, I would have said yes. But then there has been kind of the surge in, in movies trying to be that, like, you know, Super 8 and Stranger Things and those kind of, uh, you know, even it, I guess, in a way. Um, and I think um, I think we're being serviced in that department of, you know, ki- kids on adventure, kids in danger, uh, that that whole thing. And I, I'm not sure. I guess my big worry with the Goonies sequel is that it would be all fan service. And I, I guess the most obvious way of doing it is having the kid, you know, the kids are now grown up and then we're following their kids. But like, you know, I don't want to see a grown up uh, chunk doing the the truffle shuffle and, <laughs> you know, data like, do, you know, I, 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 I don't know. I'm not sure I want to see that. Uh, what about you guys? I mean, I know you guys aren't fans of Goonies. Do you think a Goonies sequel will happen? And do you think there is any way to do it? Where it would be good. What do you think? Should they make a oh, should they make a Goonies sequel? It will force everyone to revisit the first Goonies, realize that it's terrible, and everything falls down. Oh. The internet collapses. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I, I know, I, I kid because I know when I used to work for um, who saw Goblin Fandango, my, my editor Eric Davis loves the Goonies. His favorite, his favorite film, and I would always make crack with the Goonies, and he would always knock it. Like annoyed, he get upset, like saddened that I didn't like the Goonies because it meant so much to him. So always try to be careful when I talk about how much I don't like the Goonies because it means so much to people. But I, I think it's a bad movie, and I think a sequel would only make more people come to that conclusion. And I don't, I don't want to break more hearts. I don't want to break Eric's heart. I don't want to break Peter's heart. You guys like this movie, and I, I don't want to hurt you. Yeah, the one thing that I thought was might work is that in that same interview, um, Sean Astin talks about how he would love to see a Goonies animated series, uh, and he would like to pr- come back and provide the voice of Mikey, the same character that he played uh, all those years ago in 1985. So I do think that seems like something that might be a little easier to swallow instead of, you know, something that, as Peter mentioned, would probably be tons, you know, full of tons of uh, fan service and all that. You know, like the the idea of Josh Brolin and Sean Astin and all these people coming back to reprise their roles all these years later just sort of makes my eyes roll out of my head. So I, I'm, I don't know. I, I think an animated series would be the way to go if the Goonies legacy must go on. I don't know, guys. 
and I'm so conflicted about it, but it, and we must move on. There, there isn't a lot of news today, so we have a bunch of stuff that we're going to be talking about in the spoiler room. Um, we're going to go to we're going to go with Thor Ragnarok first because that comes out today, and a lot of people are seeing that today and this weekend. Um, whereas I think Stranger Things is more of you know takes more time investment, so we'll get to that after. But if you have not seen Thor Ragnarok, you can stop here, or you can skip ahead to our discussion of Stranger Things. Um, I will, future me, will jump in and tell you where in the time code you can jump to right now. Future Peter here. Go to 24 minutes in to hear a spoiler discussion of Thor Ragnarok. Okay, so there there it was. Okay, so let's talk about Thor Ragnarok. All, all three of us have seen the movie. Uh, let, let's, let's talk a little bit about the spoilers. Uh the the movie ends with an after credit scene that uh, teases what Jacob. If you just see the movie by itself, it doesn't tease much of anything. Uh, as you've seen the movie, so a, a quick recap: movie ends with Asgard as a place completely obliterated in Ragnarok, which was the thing that Thor actually needed to do to save his people, because Asgard as a people will live on, and now they're refugees or nomads in this spaceship crewed by a gladiator army heading toward Earth and refuge. It's actually a really, I thought, a really cool, bittersweet ending for it's a very funny and entertaining movie. By by the way, I I want to interrupt you here because I wanted just to share, you know, I don't know anything, but just looking at the, you know, reading between the lines, this seems to me like Thor is going to die in Infinity War, right? (laughs) Like, they've they've gotten rid of Asgard. Uh, you know, there it's it's almost like you know they're they're wiping the slate clean. Is is there any way he survives? I would like to see him survive only because I love. Right now, if you read Thor comics, they're jumping between timelines a lot, and one of the timelines you see, like you see young Thor, you see modern Thor, you see old Thor, and old Thor is this grizzled warrior with with one arm, like standing against the forces of darkness on the throne of Asgard, and. It's, I love that vision. So even if we don't see more Thor, like his lead character in movies, I love the idea of him off protecting his people, leading his people. It's like his old warrior king. So I love that vision. But at the same time, someone's got to bite it in Infinity War. And I feel like the the original guys, Captain America, Iron Man, and Thor, whose contracts are running up, are the guys who seem like the guys who they can lose the easiest because they've had the most played out. So yeah, I can see it happening. I wish it won't, but I think it'll happen. Yeah, and I sort of think that if they showed uh, in D23 that footage of Thanos sort of palming Thor's head and squeezing on it, if they showed that in such an early teaser, it seems almost like a like a redirect or something, you know, like a misdirect. Like, I, I don't know if they would full on commit to that and show it that early um, if Thor actually does die that way in the movie. I don't know. Just a thought. And one last thing before we get to this, because we have so much time to kill. Uh, one of my big problems with Thor Ragnarok, or the only problems I had with Thor Ragnarok, is kind of that the humor, which is the best part of that movie, kind of undercuts the drama at times. Like, um, you know, in that moment where Asgard kind of blows up, there, you know, is a joke made by who, Korg or someone on the spaceship? Yeah, Korg. And it, you know, it should be this dramatic sad moment of you know asgard blowing up and you know the whole audience is laughing did did either of you were either of you bothered by that i wasn't only because korg is maybe my favorite marvel supporting character of all time i find him <laughs> so funny that i don't care 
I, I understand that criticism. And I think that maybe the biggest criticism people have about Thor Ragnarok is how, how much it values comedy over drama. Um, but in that moment, I was fine with it because Korg made me laugh so much so often. And I was grateful for the laugh because I don't always laugh at the Thor movies. They're usually not funny at all. Yeah, same. Okay. Now, now Jacob, t- tell us what happens in the, the first after credit sequence in Thor. All right. The first after credit sequence is very simple. Uh, we find Thor and Loki sitting on the ship having conversation. And then a giant spaceship that dwarfs. The, the spaceship that carries the entirety of Asgard looms over them, and it's cut to black. No indication of who's in the ship. Uh, my, I racked my brain to see if there's any connection of this design to comics. I, I couldn't think of one. I'd love to hear more thoughts from, from bigger readers than me if they can come up with one. So all we can do is bring what we know about Infinity War and compare it to this footage, and then it starts telling a more coherent picture. Uh, and this is where I'm going to talk a little bit about the footage from Infinity War that uh, screened at Comic Con D23. We've written about it before. We've spoken about it before. But if you don't, if you want, don't want anything about uh, Infinity War to be known, if you want that to be totally yeah. secret, I'd recommend maybe skipping ahead a little bit, because in that footage, the first thing we see is Guardians of the Galaxy in their ship, flying through a bunch of wreckage, and Thor, unconscious and beaten, slamming into their windshield, and it looks like they've come across the aftermath of a battle in space where Thor has been left behind, surrounded by wreckage, which means one of two things. It means that there was a fight and Thor stayed behind, uh, fighting fighting somebody while Asgard escaped, or Asgard has been completely blown up by Thanos, presumably the guy in this spaceship. And after an entire movie spent saving Asgard and protecting his legacy, he's blown up by his giant spaceship right here. And I hope it's the former, because I would like the idea of... Um, of Thor Ragnarok feel like it matters, feel like it actually matters, and not being wiped out by Thanos in the next movie that features Thor. Uh, but it really feels like that scene in the mid-credits is less about teasing something specific and, and or laying the groundwork for um, an Easter egg or a character, or more about saying, hey, Infinity War opens with Thanos attacking Thor and Asgard and leaving Thor in a position to meet the Guardians and get that plot going. Uh, I know Ben has not seen this footage, but Peter, you've seen it twice at D23 and at Comic-Con. Does this line up to you? I think it lines up for me. And also, by the way, we're going to publish an interview that I did with uh, Marvel Studios head Kevin Feige on Monday that will have be full filled with spoiler uh, questions and answers. And one of those, I actually asked him, I said, you know, whose ship is this? And, uh, you know, Kevin being a sly guy said, uh, uh, what do you what do you think what do you want it to be and i said you know most people seem to think it's thanos's ship and he said uh he started nodding his head and he said uh it's a good guess and i said good guess and he said yeah you won't have to wait very long to find out i said interesting he said uh what is it seven months eight months so I think you're dead on. I think this is going to lead right directly into the opening of Avengers Infinity War. Um, you know, uh, it's uh, – I don't know. I, I, I can't imagine that all of Asgard is destroyed that simply, though. So I don't, I don't know. Yeah, I speculated in the article that it could be p- that the wreckage guardians they're flying through could be pieces of Thanos' ship. It could be pieces of the Asgardian ship. Or for all we know, Thor is fighting a bunch of like individual fighters launched by Thanos, and he destroyed a bunch of those, and that's why he's left behind, surrounded by wreckage. Um, I would be really bummed out if Thanos kills every last Asgardian save Thor in the opening of Infinity War. Uh, 
we, we know Loki survives because there's footage in, in the Infinity War uh, trailer of Loki confronting Thanos. And as Ben mentioned, there's a shot of Thanos grabbing Thor's head uh, in this really kind of nasty way that shows, like, God of Thunder is being gripped like a baseball by yeah. this massive purple guy. And what's also uh, interesting is the footage that we saw at D23 and Comic-Con uh, had Thor with two eyes. You know, at the end of Thor Ragnarok, he loses an eye. Uh, What do you think this is? Do you think they shot another take just for the knowing that he they were going to have to put him in 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 these convention footage, or do you think like you know they just put that in later on? I I think I know that um, our own Ethan Anderton or Bradford Omen, wherever he goes by in the podcast, (laughs) hi Brad, hi Ethan, is uh, is was on the set of Thor Ragnarok. We said that. Uh, Chris Hemsworth was wearing a makeup prosthetic for his missing eye. So it makes me think that some poor digital artist was tasked with reinserting Chris Hemsworth's eyeball for those scenes in the footage. I feel like it makes a lot more sense than shooting alternate takes uh, and removing prosthetics and trying to bet, oh, this will be a trailer shot for Comic-Con. Yeah. So I, my, my bet would but, be... But, but they, ha- they haven't been... Bet. They haven't, uh, you know... Marvel has done that in the past. They have, you know, moved up stuff to the the beginning of their shoot just to get it to show it at Comic-Con or, you know, and shot like exclusive footage just for Comic-Con. Obviously, uh, you know, J.J. Abrams did this to protect uh, the big reveal in Star Trek Into Darkness. They did some ADRing to uh, kind of remove it out of the footage that they showed press. Um, So this wouldn't be the first time that this happens. Um, but that, yeah, that would be a very expensive, uh, digital retouch job, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Ben, you haven't seen the Infinity War footage. How does it sound to you? Uh, I mean, it sounds, it sounds like you guys know what you're talking about because I haven't seen that footage. I can't really chime in too much, but especially with, uh, you know, in conjunction with Feige's comments, it sounds like you're pretty dead on. Yeah. I also asked, um, you know, there's a moment in Thor where Loki is in Odin's, uh, in his uh, vault and he walks by the cosmic cube uh, the tesseract and it kind of cuts with him like looking at it um, and I asked him about that and he, he basically uh, said well you saw the comic con footage right and in that comic con footage he had the cosmic cube so we, we, we assume that he, he removed the cosmic cube that the, the, <laughs> that one of the infinity stones was not blown up in that gigantic explosion of Asgard, and uh, obviously, you know, Thanos wants it, which is probably why Loki is still alive. After uh, what are the chances that Loki offers it up to Thanos to join his side and betray Thor again? I feel like that feels very likely. It's so weird, though. The movie kind of ended like it was kind of the end of that, but I guess, I guess you can never trust Loki, right? I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I. And uh, Ben, you wrote this article up about uh, the Warriors Three and what happened to them in Thor Ragnarok. What do we know? Yes. So the Warriors Three, if you don't recall from the previous Thor movies, are uh, comprised of Fandral, Hogan, and Volstag, played by Zachary Levi, uh, Tabanudo Asano, and Ray Stevenson. And these are basically Thor's uh, backup, for lack of a better term. They're like a bunch of war- Asgardian warriors that have his back and have you know fought alongside him for years. Uh, in Thor Ragnarok, they are pretty quickly killed by Cate uh, Blanchett's Hela with almost. I mean, it was like a like a throwaway gag almost how quickly they die. So in a new interview. 
Kevin Feige was asked about this, and he said um, they had noble ends, mainly to serve the arrival of Hela, the arrival of the biggest villain into the MCU, who within the first five minutes destroys the hammer, kicks Loki and Thor out of Asgard, and kills almost anyone we've ever met before in the other movies, which is really, we want it to start with a bang. So mission accomplished there. Um, did you guys feel the loss of the Warriors 3 in any way, or did you just sort of uh, nod and chuckle at that because this movie is definitely not like the previous Thor movies. I, I didn't feel the loss of anybody in this movie, which is, is strange. You know, Odin dies, and it's not like this. It's this weird scene, you know, like in Iceland or something. Norway. Uh, Norway? Sorry. Yeah. Norway. Sorry. Uh, um, oh, no. What, what about you, Jacob? Uh, I'm torn because the Warriors 3 are, are characters I like in the comics, or more specifically, Volstagg, uh, Ray Stevenson's character. Is a pretty big part of the Thor comics, especially the current ones, where uh, he plays a, a really big role. Uh, he's like a, a politician and a warrior, and is one of the major supporting characters. I've grown to love him in the pages of the comics, but he, those characters never came to life on screen, and they, they always were dead weight. I kept on waiting for the moment in the movies where they would step up and become characters of value, and not just background background act, uh, actors. Stand behind Chris Hemsworth and give him uh, something else to look at beyond Natalie Portman. And I don't know. I I wish they were around more because I would have liked to see them grow into something more. But it's clear that they didn't have any plans to do that. So I'm glad they're gone. And I yeah. guess it, it sounds harsh, but if you're going to kill somebody, kill characters nobody likes. And uh, Jamie Alexander, the, the the actress that plays Sif in the Thor movies, did not appear on screen in in this film. I, I think Feige was asked about that. It had something to do with uh, she has a role on this popular TV show, Blind Spots. So I think she just was unavailable at the time. But uh, Feige was asked about this somewhere, and I believe he said, uh, you know, her story is going to be told in, at a later time. So maybe she's still alive. Maybe she got killed in that uh, big explosion. Who knows? Um, but now's probably the time to cut it off because. Uh, Je- uh, Jacob, you have not seen Stranger Things 2. I have not. I've been waiting to sit down and watch it all. I've read every single article on SlashFilm.com about it. It's part of my job, so I know it happens. But <laughs> I get to actually, I've yet to actually see a second of it. Okay, well, we'll let you go from this discussion as we, we dive into Stranger Things 2 uh, theories and spoilers. Uh, Jacob, where can we find more of your work online? Uh, I'm on SlashFilm every single day, and I'm on Twitter where I am at Jacob S. Hall. Okay. We've already had a long, uh, spoiler-filled discussion of our reactions to Stranger Things 2. If you have not seen Stranger Things 2, you probably want to turn this off now and revisit it later after you've seen it. Because we're probably going to be t- discussing some you know, plot points that happen during the show. Uh, one, one of the things that we talked about on the, the discussion podcast was that... You know, we were kind of disappointed. I think we were all kind of disappointed by that the end of the season tease of season three uh, for Stranger Things. You know, the the first season had so uh, su- such a better tease setting up a second season. The 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 one at the end of season two kind of basically just pulled out in the school and you know turned upside down and revealed the upside down version of that world, which is kind of like I don't know. I, I I could take it or leave it. It's not you know mm-hmm. anything exciting. Uh, anyways, uh, 
in a new interview with Collider, producer Sean Levy reveals that there, that wasn't always the case. That the Duffer Brothers originally planned several epilogues that would set up an inevitable Stranger Things 3. Here is the quote from Sean Levy. Uh, there were epilogue scenes that were considered for after that final shot that would have hinted more at season three. But there was a decision made by all of us where we said, let's not back into back into any promises again. We always felt that after season one that we had to pay off that slug that Will coughs up in the sink or follow up on Hopper putting the egos out in the wooden lockbox in the woods. This time, the Duffer brothers very consciously wanted to pro- promise less so that their freedom was more. So w- what does that sound like to you, uh, Ben? That sounds like to me that they don't know where they're going. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, I don't blame them because, uh, it, you know, from a creative standpoint, it is probably better to, you know, keep your options open. Um, but just, you know, I think that's like to the detriment of the ending of season two. I'm, I'm sure it will um pay dividends for season three where they'll feel you know uh, a little bit more free to take the story in different directions but um without hinting at that it sort of leaves the audience uh, flailing a little bit you know like it, it seemed anticlimactic it seemed like they didn't really know what they're doing and that's not exactly something you know if, if you don't know what you're doing as a showrunner that's fine that's you know television is like a i mean it's a it's a a medium where storylines can evolve over the course of a season and all that kind of stuff not so much with netflix since they shoot everything beforehand and release it all in one batch but that's not really a feeling that you want to um to seep out into the actual episodes themselves you know for sure um you published this article on slash film about a bunch of stranger things theories that are going around i think let's start off with uh some people believe that this show actually connects to Stephen King's It. Uh, it is kind of ridiculous, but it's fun, which is why I think we wrote about it. So h- how could Stranger Things actually be connected to Stephen King's It? Yeah, so th- this is I, – I, for the record, I don't really believe this theory, but there, this is sort of I don't sort think anybody around. actually believes this theory. It's just yeah. – it's fun. But, you know, the the Duffers have made no secret about their love for Stephen King and how heavily his work has influenced Stranger Things. So the connection for season two is uh, that Bob's parents, Bob, the character played by Sean Astin, his parents are from Maine, which is obviously a huge location in Stephen King lore, uh, specifically it. And uh, Bob was on, was uh, haunted by an evil clown when he was a kid, which would have been in the late 1950s. Um, so the theory is that uh, Bob was maybe a a victim of Pennywise who escaped and and you know somehow managed to live his life, uh, not being completely tormented by that character. Um, Finn Wolfhard, who appears in both Stranger Things and the uh, this year's movie adaptation of it, says the same line in both uh, properties um i guess bob also found victory over the clown when he stopped showing fear which is a similar sort of plot device that's used in the story it and uh somebody else says that when when bob imitates the clown when he's explaining the story to will in the car he says hey kid do you want a balloon and it sounds very close to how pennywise sounds which i don't i don't know that's a little reaching (laughs) yeah um i don't really i don't buy that but 
do you think that this could possibly be the, just the duffer? Like, do you think this is intentional at all, or do you think there's fans reading into it? Like, and by intentional, I don't mean that they're connected. Do you think the Duffer Brothers that this was an Easter egg that they? Yes. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Uh, especially with how cognizant they are of all of Stephen King's work. I mean, if you look at the freaking font for Stranger Things, that's ripped straight out of a, a Stephen King font. Uh, I think the idea of Bob's parents being from Maine and the mention of a clown it, are, yes, 100 um, percent, you know, cognizant references by the Duffer brothers to Stephen King's work. But I don't necessarily think that they uh, share, you know, the same actual universe. But there is one other theory that we wrote about in that same article that I, I feel like I don't know what you think about this, Peter, but I, I feel like it has a little bit more potential. Um, I think they're calling it the mind flayer theory. But in Stranger Things 2, episode 8, which is called the Mind Flayer, Dustin uh, suggests a parallel between the Shadow Monster and a character from Dungeons & Dragons called the Mind Flayer. Uh, Nerdist has defined, they, they looked up the, the Dungeons & Dragons uh, manual and defined this character as uh, a member of a race of psionic tyrants from another dimension that harvest entire races for their own twisted ends and live in an evil subterranean cave network known as the Underdark. And in D&D Mythos, there are more powerful mind flayers that exist out there. They're known as uh, arcanists and liches, liches, I believe. Uh, and they use sorcery to make their powers even more impressive than they already are. And the theory is that because we saw Eleven using her, you know, equivalent of, of force powers, basically, to close this portal between her world and the Upside Down at the end of Stranger Things 2, and we saw the Shadow Monster, the Mind Flayer, we saw that creature see Eleven do this from the inside. Um, the theory is that maybe Eleven is going to be the next victim of this thing in the new season, specifically so it can hijack her powers for its own nefarious purposes. So that oh, is Oh, come on. What are the chances that they're going to kill off Eleven? She's like such a big star in the series. Like, <laughs> well, I don't know about I don't know about killing her killing her off, but definitely being a new host. Um, and it, it sort of is interesting because we wrote another article where the Duffer Brothers sort of hinted at something similar um, when they were talking about the end of uh, season two. They said the hope we wanted people to get out of it is that this thing is still out there. They've shut the door on the mind flare, but not only is it still there in the upside down, it's very much aware of the kids and particularly Eleven. It had not encountered her and her powers until that final episode. Now it knows that she's out there. We wanted to end on a little bit of an ominous note on that level. So this theory and that comment sort of leads me to believe that that could be a direction that they're heading for season three. Um, I mean, I don't was... think they would kill her off, but I do think it would make it would it would retroactively make the ending of season, of Stranger Things two a little bit better for me because, like we talked about in our review, I, I feel like. The, sh the shadow monster just sort of sits there uh, while the portal is closing. But if you yeah, and it cares nothing and... but about the kids in the school. Like that's the right. only thing it cares about. Right. Yeah. But if if you go back, you know, with this knowledge, if you go back and look at it and think that maybe it's sort of sizing up Eleven and thinking about the potential for what it could do with her powers. Um, that sort of makes it play a little bit better to me. So maybe that's where they're thinking about going for season three. Do you do you still uh, doubt this uh, I, as a as a real thing? I don't doubt it. Uh, I mean, chapter seven, I think, of the show kind of shows us, you know, Eleven coming to grips with, you know, 
her powers being used for, you know, not so good or maybe evil uh, doing, uh, I think, I don't know. I, I, I really, as a consumer of movies and television, I really hate it when a bad guy possesses a good guy. Like, I really hated the whole storyline with Will this season. I, I, you know, I hate it when, you know, when Superman gets, you know, controlled by someone and has red eyes and, you know, it's not to, it, it, like, it, that yeah. just seems like such a stupid plot device and I can't quite get over it. Even in a fantasy world where there's, you know, shadow monsters, I can't get, I can't quite get over the idea of someone being possessed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, my hope is that if this does happen, it only happens for a couple episodes or something. Instead, you know, it's it's a larger part or a smaller part of a larger story um, instead of being the entire, you know, uh, thrust of season three where Eleven is um, sort of turned into the villain um, by the you know, by just sort of re I mean, it is a way for them to rework the dynamic again, but I think we talked a lot about on the previous episode that we wanted the dynamic from season one to return, not a whole different one to be introduced yeah. into the picture. So, um, but it, I don't know. It, we'll see. It is interesting that the depart of, uh, the department of energy is kind of like, they're no longer kind of like this big villain character in this franchise, at least, you know, I mean, maybe something will be introduced in season three. Mm-hmm. There really isn't a villain in this franchise other than the shadow monster. Right. Right. Yeah. Which is why I think that they so, might sort of be leaning toward that as a, uh, as a bigger part of the story, since you don't really have that human element to sort of serve as a, like a counterbalance to it. No, I, I think this makes since you can read this whole article on slashfilm.com i will link it in the show notes along with all the other articles we mentioned on today's podcast um you can find more of all these articles on slashfilm.com you can find more of ben at ben pairs on twitter you can find more of me at slashfilm on twitter uh you can find this podcast published every weekday on itunes google play overcast all the popular podcast apps and uh Please go to iTunes, give us a rating, give us a review. That always helps us out, especially if you love the podcast. Uh, and uh, we love hearing from you. So please send uh, your feedback and questions to peter at slashfilm.com. And please leave your uh, name and general geographic location in case we want to mention it on the air. Uh, thank you for listening, and we will talk to you on Monday. <laughs>